0: Hey friends, and welcome to episode 135 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick, and today's episode is all about legacy. One of my favorite things ever is the Broadway musical, Hamilton. Hamilton. And near the end, during the climactic duel scene, where Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr face off for the very last time in Weehawken, New Jersey, as Burr's bullet travels forward toward Hamilton in slow motion, Hamilton speaks almost as if his life is quickly passing before his eyes. He's considering his past, the present, and the future. And he says, If I throw away my shot, is this how you'll remember me? What if this bullet is my legacy? Legacy. What is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you'll never get to see. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a parent, a corporate employee, a caregiver, or any mix of them all, I know you want to leave a legacy you wanna be remembered when you're gone, don't we all? We build our lives and careers around our skills and the goals we want to accomplish. But we know that those goals can feel boastful or like they're only for ourselves. So then the question becomes, how can we turn what we do every single day into something that makes a difference for the rest of our lives and beyond? Recently, I spoke with Dr. Tiffany Urich, a PR expert who helps small business owners and professionals market themselves well while remaining grounded and authentic. And she has more than a few great ways to help you serve others, succeed in your life and career, and thrive along the way. Let me introduce you to Tiffany. Dr. Tiffany Urich loves storytelling and the way a well-told narrative can change the trajectory of a business. So she's passionate about making communication strategy accessible to businesses of every size. An author, former TV personality and university professor, Tiffany helps entrepreneurs develop simple, streamlined PR strategies and rack up those as-seen-on logos for their brand. Working with everything from solo endeavors to international luxury brands, Tiffany has seen how effective PR can turn a best-kept secret into a household name. Her expertise has been featured in places like Forbes, PR Couture, CEO Nation, and Homesteady. In my conversation with Tiffany, she shares how to discover your personal strengths and weaknesses and what they have to do with your legacy. She'll talk about why you need to know yourself well in order to see the bigger picture. We talk a lot about how social media and instant gratification can get in the way of legacy building. And finally, she tells us how we can create space in our daily lives to build our legacy. As usual, you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 135, including a link to the resources and tools we'll mention. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road.
1: If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick.
0: Hey, Tiffany, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so, so excited to spend time with you today. How are you doing?
2: I am great, Anna, and I am so excited to get to be here with your community and get to talk about some things that I think are so important uh, for the age that
0: we live in and for the work that we're doing and for families. And so
2: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for being so generous with your time today and carving out uh, some time to talk with us. Uh, and as always, you know i I gave the official. Her Majesty, Dr. (laughs) Yurik. Just kidding. I gave the official T-Dazzle Tiffany bio in uh, in the intro, but I would love to hear in your own words how you're spending your time these days.
2: Well, thank you. And I seem to collect nicknames like some people collect stamps. So I love that. I think it's a sign of love. Yes, yes. <laughs> so how do I spend my time these days? Uh, well, I own a PR and braiding firm. And so a lot of my day-to-day work is done in helping small businesses build Marketing and PR strategies so they can expand their growth and their impact and increase that bottom line. Um, we do that through a variety of different PR services and boot camps and classes and courses, as well as brand styling and brand imagery. Um, and that's just a lot of fun. I love helping businesses grow. Uh, I am also a serial hobbyist, I'm what's called a philomath. And so I love to learn. And so I am always. Um, trying to carve out time to learn something new. It means that I probably have acquired more hobbies than I will ever be able to master in my lifetime, but I just love to learn new things. And so work that allows me that freedom to get to learn and to expand and try new things is always a delight. And I have a huge family, um, siblings and nieces and nephews. Um, and it's really important to me to be able to carve out that time to get to spend with them and invest in their lives with friends and with family. So my days are full, um, but delightful. I love that. My word of the
0: year is actually delight, so I love that Mine you use that word. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Look at us, word of the year twins, delight. Um, that is fantastic. Of course. So tell me a little bit more about your work, and I definitely have questions about your hobbies as well because that is <laughs> that is fascinating. But so you you have your PR firm, and you're doing boot camps, and you're serving clients. Um, what type of businesses do you work with? Tell me a little bit more about who you serve.
2: So I love working with especially small businesses and solopreneurs. I work with a lot of people in the creative spaces with artists and artisans. I work with people in the family and the parenting space. And I do a lot of work um, with people in kind of the home and lifestyle and gardening space as well. And so um, a broad range of things, they're all things that I love and I'm interested in. um, But a lot of the principles that we teach are pretty applicable to every other kind of business. In the past, um, I was a university professor. And so I had to learn to teach these things to the future marketers, the future PR professionals, the future journalists that were going to be covering every topic uh, or every type of business that you can Mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these principles are very simple and strategic and they work for any kind of business. Mm
0: -hmm. And how long did you say you have been in the PR industry? (laughs) Well, I've worked in communications for a little over 20 years,
2: Mm -hmm. and I have a PhD in communications. I was a university professor for nearly a decade, um, and then my business itself has been open for several years, and then I was doing work pro bono before the business ever opened for many years before that.
0: Wow. Wow. So it's safe to say that you have quite an extensive and impressive background helping others tell their stories. Well,
2: that has been fun. I love helping people find those stories and tell those stories, and there's always more to learn, though. So, always trying to learn new things.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of learning new things, you are a philomath, which that's a, <laughs> that's a new one for me. I I like to consider myself a bit of a wordsmith, but philomath is a new one for me. So you've gotta you've gotta give us a preview. Like, what are some of these hobbies that you're into? Give us <laughs> give us the rundown. Years and years ago for a class, a
2: college class, I had to take the StrengthsFinder test Mm -hmm. and it came out with my number one characteristic being philomath. And then about a decade later, I had to take it again for another program. And again, number one was philomath. So the first time I took the test was the first time I'd ever encountered that. It just means a lover of learning. And so I do. I love to learn whether it's learning how to garden and grow things, learning how to preserve food. Um. I love to do anything that's crafty, anything that involves working with my hands and fiber. So sewing and quilting and knitting and spinning yarn. Um, I love to carve wood. I have lots of hobbies and probably my family thinks um, I'm a little crazy, but they indulge me. And um, right now I'm learning about surface pattern design and about uh, creating artwork for fabric and other surfaces. And so I'm just one of those fun hobbies that will add to my acquisition. (laughs)
0: That is fascinating. So I love that you mentioned StrengthsFinder. Uh, Philomath, I think that they've replaced that term with learner in the newer versions because I I had the opportunity to take uh, StrengthsFinder this past summer. And I do remember seeing learner pop up, but I did not see Philomath. So I guess they have changed some some of the language a little bit. But secondarily, I I love that you mentioned taking StrengthsFinder because It really enables us to learn so much about ourselves along the way, which can make uh, sharing about our strengths and talking about ourselves and what we do and how we help others so much easier. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to diving into in our conversation today. But before we get into that fun conversation, I want to hear a little bit about how exactly you carve out the time for these hobbies you know you have uh, your business you said that you prioritize time with your big family and spending time with them but you also make time for fun which I think is something that a lot of us feel like we don't have time for that it becomes all work and no play and it's like what's a hobby but you have found a way to do this so tell me a little bit about how you carve out time for all of the things that you do Right. And that
2: has not always been pretty. <laughs> I'm just going to be very honest. There are times that that has not been pretty at all. Um, but one of the things that I learned uh, years and years ago, I was working full time and working on a PhD at the same time. And I wanted to find these big blocks of time to get to work on the different various projects that I you know, was doing for work and for school. And I would get so frustrated because I would want to sit down for like four hours and work on this thing or eight hours and write. And there were no blocks of four or eight hours. And someone told me, you have to learn to work in the pockets. And that was not uh, instinctive or intuitive to me. And so I really had to learn to look for where were those 10 and 15 and 30 minute pockets that I really wasn't utilizing very well because I was kind of waiting for the next thing to start. And so one of the, the skills that I learned in that time that worked really well for me was when you're working on something and you finish it, for instance, if it's your dissertation, start on the next page so that the first paragraph is done or even the first sentence. And that, for me, I would, I would kind of get myself worked up where it's like, I need this big block of time and I've got to think about how I want to start and do the research and pull it in. But if I could get the first sentence written on the next page, it was no big deal to sit back down and type for a few more minutes and then walk away and come back and type for a few more minutes. And so keeping things kind of in a constant sense of moving forward was really helpful for me to learn how to work in those pockets. And so now things are a little bit different. I've learned a lot more about what are the times of day that and the times of week that I am more likely to be better at certain things, and more productive. I love mornings. And so I tend to be more productive at work in the mornings. Um, and so that means for me, like getting up and working out in the morning is not a really uh, it's hard for me to do that because I keep thinking about I could be using that energy in a creative sense. I could be using that to get be getting work done. So let's move that to a different time of day. Um, and then I know that I have a really hard time kind of winding down at the end of the day because I'm thinking constantly about the different things that I need to do. And so at the end of each day, I'm making a list of what are the top goals that I need to get done tomorrow. And typically that's like one or two things. And I used to make, I mean, like page long lists. I know you've had other guests on the podcast that have said the same thing, like famous for making pages and pages of to-do lists. And then realizing you can really only get a couple of things done in a significant or meaningful way the next day. And so trying to be very intentional about what gets done in each day. And then for me, like a key for me, Is um, at the end of each week or the beginning of the week, whenever I have time to do it, I will sit down and just make a list. And on one side of the list is um, all the things I'd like to get done. Like all the Mm -hmm. little tasks, work-related, not work-related. And then day by day, what are the things that have to get done in those days? Mm-hmm. And so the big rocks have kind of been put in for the week. And then I've got this list of other things. It's like, okay, I've got 15 minutes. What's over here that I could do? Um, and 30 minutes, what can I do off this list and take that off? And that is a really effective way for me to work to make sure the big rocks get done. Um, but then I, ha- I don't have to stop and think about how to use this you know, 15 minutes. I do the same thing with books too. I found that when I had reading time, spare time to read, and I, of course I love to read, I would take all of the spare time I had trying to figure out what book I wanted to read. So ah. I keep I keep an ongoing spreadsheet. This is such a nerdy thing. I can't believe I'm admitting this. <laughs> no, I, I keep, love it. You're not alone. Okay, I'm so glad. I keep a spreadsheet and it's all of the books that have been recommended to me or that I would like to read. I keep a list of who recommended them. And yes, I'm keeping score who gives me good recommendations. Ooh. Um, and then I, when I find out about the book, I make a list um, in that spreadsheet of where it's available. Do I own it? Is it at the library? Can I get it as an audiobook? Is it available through one of the book services I subscribe to? So when I'm finished and I'm ready to start the next one, I don't spend hours trying to figure out, well, what book do I want to read next? I've got a list <laughs> and it's all there and I know immediately where it is and how to get it and I can start. And so um, I, I kind of do the same thing with my schedule a little bit. Like, what do I have to get done? And then what can I fit in there so I don't have to think about what to do next?
0: Oh, my goodness. You, bam, 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 bam. You just gave us one actionable strategy after another that we can take and see how it could work in our own lives. That is wonderful. I love the reminder to work in the pockets because I believe that so many who are listening right now feel that life is just happening in pockets time is very fragmented in our work days we are we have limited amounts of time between meetings we don't have these long luxurious open uninterrupted blocks of time to get this done this work done and i think that a lot of times we romanticize what it looks like to do true focused work that our office is perfectly clean and it's quiet or we have classical music playing softly in the background and we have two uninterrupted hours to get things done. But that's not reality. And so hearing that you have found a way that you have given the pockets, uh, you've elevated the pockets, you have helped, helped yourself find a way to, to get work done in the pockets. Because right now, a lot of us are in a season of life where the pockets are all we've got. Pockets are all we've got, and we've got to make use of them. And in planning your week and putting those big rocks in first and having that pile of pebbles off to the side, you know, you're right. That's that's so smart to be able to have, like, oh, here's my list of pebbles, my little insignificant small things that are only going to take a couple minutes, making a dentist appointment, um, calling about something, I don't know. And then you've got your most important things and you're, you're filling in the gaps, you're filling in the pockets. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, and I also want to say that I feel like you and Sarah Becker, Sarah Becker has been on the show twice. Um, uh, She is a reader just like you are, I feel like you two would really hit it off. And you know, one of the best tips that I believe Sarah gave me is to always know what you're going to read next. And that it sounds like you two are just very much kindred spirits. Like one of the best ways to become a reader if you're not is to to have your list and then to always know what you're going to read next. So that you're not in that spinning wheels of wait, what am I, what, what am I going to read next? What am I going to do? And then the next thing you know, the habit's gone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just <laughs> making it easy for yourself to keep moving forward. I, I love that. Anything that we can do to make things easy for ourself. Um, So tell me about the other ways that you make it easy for yourself to move forward. Are there any apps or tools or things that really help you do life? So I keep
2: things pretty simple. Um, I am a person who needs that extension of my hand from my brain to physically write things down. And so over the years, I have shifted a little bit from the paper planner to the digital planner, but I can't get rid of the paper planner totally because (laughs) uh, there's just something about having that there. It's kind of a security blanket. I know if something happens online, my schedule isn't gone. So I do keep that as a backup. But when it comes to making lists and making plans, I am an external processor. And so I think better if I can get things out of my head. And for whatever reason, the paper and pen works for me. There's actually, interestingly, a lot of research about that connection, you know, between your brain and your hand and writing and getting things out. And so one of the things that I've recently transitioned over to in this last year that I love is a rocket book. that is yeah it's a really fascinating it's a notebook that has erasable pages you use a certain kind of pen on it it's like a thermal pen and uh, you use the app that comes along with it you can set up destinations for your files and so you write on it you open the app snap a picture and it sends it to whichever destination so if it's notes on a client it'll go to my client file if it's notes on marketing you know it'll go to my marketing file if it's to-do list it'll go to that file and so it allows me to search things much more easily, right? So if I've been sitting with a client writing notes on on ideas for pitches and um, or you know, brand ideas, I can go back to that. I've written it all down, but I can now go back in a digital sense and search for it and find it. And it's all there in my handwriting or it'll transcribe it. I love your face right now. The listeners can't see it. But <laughs> your face, it's like your mind just
0: blue. <laughs> I need this. I know what I'm asking for for my birthday now. <laughs> that is fascinating. I am this. I am the same way. I, I think sometimes, so in addition to being a time management coach, I also work full-time for an amazing company called Clockwise. And a lot of times in between having a strategy meeting and um, meeting with other members of the team, a brief needs to be written, uh, something that captures the 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 essence, the the source of, the source of truth of what this project or what this initiative is. And I have so much lag time between strategy and brief because all of my notes live in scribbles because that's just I too am an external processor and I, I have everything just scribble scratched out. And I I understand what it means and. Oh, gosh, it would be so wonderful to just have it zoop, over to the Google Drive file and have the transcript. And OK, thank you so much for this yeah. tidbit. No one oh. has ever mentioned this before. Um, <laughs> yeah, my so pleasure. This, I love it. This is <laughs> wonderful.
2: They are not Rocketbook's not a client. Just saying it like I'm not promoting okay. them. I just genuinely
0: really love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. And Rocketbook, yeah. if you're listening, um, you may want to reach out to Tiffany. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. So
2: that's one of my favorite pieces of tech. Um, this is a very personal thing. I love having, I had had a big screen desktop, went to a laptop and went back to a big screen desktop because when I work, I love to have multiple tabs open so I can see multiple things at a time, very visual. And so having a large uh, desktop when that's possible is is huge for me. It's really helpful as in doing research and bringing other ideas over. And then just a simple cloud-based notes software, um, I used for a long time just the notes on my app and are on my phone. And now I'd use Google Drive. Mm-hmm. And just someplace that as I'm thinking, I can draw, jot those notes down. And then wherever I end up, those are going to be there. So mm-hmm. I'm very simple when it comes to tech and to tools. Um, I love spreadsheets. I love cloud based note taking. I love my Rocketbook and my big screen on my computer. And mm-hmm. again, that's pretty simple for me. And the other simple thing I use is a timer because I can get really lost in ideas mm-hmm. and really lost in research or in working on a project. I will put my head down and it's like the uh, the day will pass and I will have no idea. I When I was a professor for a couple of years, my office was in a basement area. It was in a low level area and I had no windows. And so I would get in and I would start building lectures and working on curriculum. And I wouldn't know it until someone called me and it'd be like 10 o'clock at night. And I've been there since six in the morning. (gasps) (laughs) So I can lose track of time. And so my timer on my phone is really helpful for me just to make sure that I am being mindful of time and health, making sure I'm eating, (laughs) I'm sleeping because I'm a person who needs sleep. Uh, And so, so my timer is a huge help. I don't have to worry. I can just go. I can just research. I've predetermined how much time I've spent. I can work, I can research. And then when the timer goes off, it's like, oh, okay, I can stop now and it's time to Mm -hmm. move on to the next thing.
0: Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Wow. so Tiffany, one thing that I am hearing that underlies everything that you've shared so far is that you know yourself really well. You know that you're an external processor. You know that you need that tactile feeling of having your thoughts pass from your head through your arm to the page. You know that you can lose track of time. You have a very clear sense of What is going to work best for you because of what you know about yourself? You know, knowing ourselves and really being able to articulate who we are and what makes us special or different or what we offer others is a really important first step in being able to tell your story or advocate for yourself. Um, to use a word that a lot of people find icky to engage in a bit of self-promotion. But I think that one thing we've learned, especially in the current professional landscape is that if you can't advocate for yourself, if you can't stand up for yourself and speak to your strengths, who will? And so your background and your expertise in telling other stories What can you tell us about telling our own stories? So that's a great question, and it's a deep
2: one. (laughs) And I think that there's a lot of pieces and parts to that. And part of what I think I would say is a little bit Mm countercultural. And part of what I would say is I think sometimes we honestly spend too much time thinking about ourselves when focusing on serving others is so much more joyful and so much more excellent. And I think it's important to know who you are, to know the strengths, the way you've been created, uh, the way you've been designed so that you can work in those strengths, but for the purpose oftentimes of serving others with them. And quite often when we can pull our focus away from ourselves and start looking at how we can help other people, you'll find that you don't often have to advocate for yourself that much because other people will see. So like, let's say that you are working in an environment and you've got a boss who's watching you. You don't need to go tell that boss all the time, hey, I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, There's kind of a generational thing I've noticed that um, sometimes we seem to want to be celebrated for just doing the work we've been asked to do (laughs) Um, like or the work we've been paid to do. And so don't expect to necessarily be celebrated for just fulfilling your obligations, but look to see how can you go the extra mile are you reliable? Are you dependable? Um, do you do your work well with a strong work ethic? And people will notice that. So I was talking with someone recently about a position that I was thinking about creating. And immediately a person came to my mind that I had worked with years and years and years ago. And in the midst of lots of other people wanting to get a lot of attention on themselves, this person just quietly and consistently did their work better than everybody else, was always mm. reliable. And years later, that was the person that I remembered. And I thought, that's the person. I would create a position for that person just to get to work with them because they're just dependable and reliable and always have a cheerful attitude. And so that doesn't really fit the cultural message of always look at me. Yeah. And But I think it's so important to realize that sometimes when you're just doing consistently great work and going the extra mile, people will notice and you don't have to feel icky about saying, Hey, look at me. However, that said, um, it is important to be able to articulate what you can offer and what you can do, especially if you own a business or you are looking for a job or you are um, looking for new opportunities or promotions or whatever that might be really knowing who you are, how you do things and what you do well is going to help you not only Narrow down what it is that you want to do, or where you want to work, or what what business you want to build. um, It's going to help you articulate in that in a way that people can respond to and understand. And my big tip there is the same thing I would tell you if you were trying to get media coverage for your business uh, and trying to get a new job. It would be the same. Understand how what you do serves other people. And when you can articulate how you serve and you help, you're not having to feel so icky about, I'm really good at this. Instead, it's, I do this, this way, and here are the kinds of results and the way that it has helped other people. And here's the results Mm -hmm. that we see from that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can help you really diminish sort of that icky feeling of self-promotion when you don't think of it as self-promotion. Instead, it's really understanding how you help other people and how Mm -hmm. you do that well.
0: Always bringing it back to service. And this is so applicable for business owners who are trying to grow their business and serve others. And and I hate to say, get more clients, but they're trying to grow their business. They're trying to serve more people. This is helpful for people in the professional world who are trying to get, who are trying to be promoted, who are trying to move up, who are trying to um, get, get new jobs, who are trying to move around in the industry. And. You know, it's also really helpful for people who are applying to grad school because there's oh, so absolutely. much of that that grad school process that requires you to write all of the essays and talk about why you should be accepted to XYZ program. And so one thing that I have found in working with clients in the past who have been living day to day, they've been very caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, moving from one thing to the next, where life starts to feel like that uh, spinning wheel, hamster wheel feeling. Is that they've never actually stopped to think about what makes them different or how they truly serve others, especially if it's not obvious. I mean, you know that if you own a bakery, you serve others by baking delicious treats that make their day, that bring joy. But if you are a CPA or if you are in, you know, a role where maybe it's not so obvious or maybe you haven't even been employed yet, um, how can we take those first steps to, really uncover who we are and how we serve others. I think
2: one of the first things you can do is really just take a personal inventory. Just sit down and give yourself some time and some space to think about how are you made up? What do you love? What fascinates you? Uh, What skills do you have? What do you do that seems like no big deal, just comes easily to you, that Mm -hmm. other people uh, are just amazed by it? You know, that was something that was kind of a big deal for me. There were so many things that I just did because I had both skill and education and training that had kind of come together to make it very easy and simple for me to do those things. That it never occurred to me that it was Mm -hmm. like this mystical thing that other people were like, I don't know how to do that until someone pointed it out. They said, I don't have the first clue how to start what you just did, you know, quickly and easily and simply. And so, Asking people, you know, what is it that you see that I do? I have a friend who, she's always saying, ask people, what strengths do you see? Not Mm -hmm. in a way that I'm trying to get, you know, complimented. I'm not fishing for compliments, but just help me understand the things that I can't see about myself. And I think what's so important in understanding what you love, what you're passionate about, how you're created, is in stepping away from influences that kind of want to drown out you. So mm. maybe that's stepping away from Instagram for a while uh, or YouTube or whatever it is magazines, you know, whatever it is, that thing that there's probably, we can all probably think of a time in our life where we thought, oh, I, I think I really like this, but really it was just the influences around us that were, mm-hmm. you know, we all in junior high had some trend, you know, I like this fashion style because that's what everybody is wearing and you didn't really <laughs> like it. because so That's what everybody's wearing, right? Yeah. And so, um, I think that that's a big deal is stepping away from those other voices and those other influences so that you can really understand, you know, not, not what do I want to be, not do I think someday I would like to be, what is everyone else telling me I should be, but instead, what is it that's unique to me and giving Mm -hmm. yourself that time to sit down and do that inventory. I remember doing that once a long time ago and I took a big piece of graph paper and it was, what are these things I love and how are they tied together and What am I passionate about? And where do I see connections? Almost like brain mapping. Yeah. Just things about myself trying to understand, you know, how am I going to grow a business? And where's that going to go? Where are my strengths? Where do I need some help? What are some things that I'm not great at and I'm going to need help doing those down the road? And Mm -hmm. where's the direction of this business going to go? And then giving yourself the flexibility to make change, to Mm -hmm. realize that, hey, you know what? I thought maybe this is the direction I'm going, but as I'm learning a little bit more about how I work, that's going to shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, is huge, is just giving yourself flexibility Um, and then an honest assessment of work ethic. You know, are you a hard worker? Is what you do and how you work, is it worth celebrating? Is it worth rooting Mm -hmm. for, right? Um, Do Mm -hmm. you have a good, strong, steadfast, reliable work ethic as well? And then how do you take this inventory of yourself and the way that you like to serve others and pull that all together into the work that you're doing? And I think that applies even outside of the career field. I think that's the same inside the home as well and in ministry and all kinds of things.
0: Yeah. it's, It's giving yourself the time and the space to know yourself and really consider, like you said, how you've been designed, how you've been created, and then begin to answer the question, well, what do I want to be known for? Now that I know that I have these strengths and I have like these abilities and I can plan a Disney trip with my eyes closed. And that's I a strength that, that I have. <laughs> oh, that I can't either. That, I'm just throwing it out there. for me. <laughs> but, it, but it's like, yeah, I can do this with my eyes closed. And other people see that as something that is just amazing, yep. which I do. Like, I, that's my, that's my example. Because I look at those people who can plan, you know, Disney trips or vacations. Wow, that's amazing. But if you, if you know that special thing, then you can, really start to ask yourself what I think is sometimes the next question, which is what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known for not just professionally, but as a person, person. as a person because we're not just work people, we're whole people. Um, one of the core values of my business, one of the core va- one of my personal core values is legacy, leaving things better than you found them, growing something that lasts longer than you, and I feel like there's a connection between really knowing what you want to be known for and leaving a legacy. Um, can you speak to that just a bit? Like how, how can we take this idea of knowing ourselves and just go all in into creating a legacy?
2: You know, legacy is one of the core values of my business. And it was something that when I started was important to me, specifically in the context of family and influence. How, what do you leave, what do you leave as a legacy and how do you do that? I remember reading a book uh, by Michael Hyatt, I believe it's called Living Forward, where he kind of talks about that concept of what does it look like to leave a legacy and how do you sort of reverse engineer the decisions that you make on a daily basis because I think all of us want to live a life of significance. I think that is is wired into the way God has created us. We all want to live a life of significance. But when it comes down to the daily in and out, the mundane decisions, we quite often make decisions that don't build legacy. They're not moving us towards that goal. We are more reactionary. We respond to kind of the immediate things rea- around us without mm-hmm. really thinking about how does that move me towards that legacy that I want to leave? And people have different ideas of what legacy is. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, you know, when you're gone, what do you want people to remember about you? What, is, what are the overarching factors that you want them to think about relationally, um, financially, just all of the, in ministry and in career and in profession? What is it in character? I, that's to me what it really boils mm-hmm. down to. What's the character? that you mm-hmm. want to leave behind. And I think that really knowing yourself and working towards that kind of legacy requires a lot of sort of shutting out the culture around you and all of the impact of, of what you're seeing and hearing around you and knowing what you're headed for and just going in and all, all in and just driving mm-hmm. forward to that. And one of the things I know you and I had talked about before was that we used to li- I mean, this society used to be one in which, um, you know, dad had a business or a farm or a career and his children were trained in that. And Mm -hmm. the next generation of children were trained to do that. And so each generation built off of the platform that the generation before them had done. I was recently listening to some people talking about the same thing, even with crafting. They said Mm -hmm. it tends that when a mom, you know, learns how to do some crafts, her kids will kind of watch that and observe it. And they start where mom finished. And then that next generation will grow and get better and more skillful at that thing. And so that's how you saw artisans growing in their fields as well. And so just this idea that anything that we do, whether it's faith or health or career or work or character, um, this idea that if our kids are surrounded by it and they see it, it gives them an opportunity to build on that platform. Now, we don't live in a society anymore where careers work that way. We're each trained in an individual career. And so we all kind of have to start all over. And so what can we do for, for kids, for our nieces and nephews, for the people that are around us, watching us, that we're mentoring, how can we build that platform that they can then grow off of? And mm-hmm. I think that that's what it is. It's almost a legacy of ideas. And so mm-hmm. if I can um, teach my kids entrepreneurship, if I can teach them a strong work ethic, that's going to give them a platform to grow and expand and do even better than I could do. Mm-hmm. Um And so for any of the young people in your life or anyone that you were mentoring and working with, I think that legacy of ideas is such an important concept, but it takes a willingness to be different. It takes a willingness to stand out and maybe not look like everybody else and do the same Mm -hmm. thing that everybody else is is doing. It takes a little bit of courage to say, we're going to do things differently and we're going to do things in a way that has a long-term impact.
0: You know some of the words that you've used as as you've shared your thoughts on on legacy and knowing yourself one thing that really stood out to me is significance is that i think deep down we all want to live a life of significance but that significance doesn't necessarily mean being a celebrity or standing on a stage or having a huge platform that significance is found anywhere. Significance is found in the home, in the way that you care for your family and the way that you raise your children and the way that you just take care of others. Significance is found in the community and the impact that you make there, no matter how big or small it is. And so we're talking about words like significance and legacy, and they can seem like very lofty ideas. Legacy sounds like this Big thing, and and you might be thinking, oh well, I'm just you know I'm just trying to survive day to day. I don't have time to think about my legacy. But I I always think about at at the end of my life, whenever that is, because we are not promised tomorrow. I grew up in a funeral home family. We talk about the legacy of family business. My um, my stepdad is a third generation funeral home owner, and so I grew up every day with that. That reminder that life is precious. We're not promised tomorrow. But if I am blessed with a long life, what are the stories that I want to tell? What do I want to be remembered for? And it's so much more than accomplishments or job titles. And so if you're thinking that this whole legacy thing doesn't apply to you, oh, absolutely,
2: it does. 100%. It
0: does. Because people will remember you. And they're going to remember something about you. Absolutely. In the hustle and bustle of day to day life and Instagram and notifications and pings and Netflix and all of the things surrounding us that are constantly distracting us, our attention is constantly being pulled in one direction or the other. And so, actually having that space to think these thoughts, to think about our legacy, to think about the life that we want to live, the vision that we want to have, it feels pretty impossible because we're constantly being pulled in a million different directions. And sometimes I feel like if we were not constantly distracted with all of these bells and whistles, that the focus we would have as a result would lead to so many amazing developments and ways to serve others and organizations being created and hobbies, fulfilling time spent doing hobbies. But it's, it's we've got this constant flow of distraction that's keeping us from having these, these deep intentional thoughts about the life that we want to live. You've talked to us, you've told us about finding space in the pockets. What other advice do you have for us to actually carve out that time to think about who we are, what we really want, and how we want to be remembered? So I feel like you just handed me a soapbox and
2: said, "Stand on it, please.
0: <laughs> take it. Um, Go for it."
2: Right. So let me let me put on my my researcher hat here for a second and take you back to some research that's been done over the years. Um, Neil Postman wrote, wrote a book. I mean, like a generation or two ago, called "Entertaining Ourselves to Death," and he predicted that Western society would become so obsessed with entertainment like television, like movies, Uh, he couldn't even foresee things like social media and the internet. But he said we would become so preoccupied and obsessed with just keeping ourselves entertained that we would literally train our brains not to be able to think anymore. And that as a culture, that Western culture would disintegrate and die because we were so focused on being entertained that we stopped working. We stopped digging deep. We stopped Uh, living on principle and on standards. And so you would see an entire culture, an entire civilization that would just uh, basically rot from the inside and crumble because we became so obsessed with being entertained. And I think that those predictions (laughs) were like kind of amazingly scarily true. When you look at the world around us, we do, right? Like it's so easy. Social media can be an incredible tool, but it is also designed to be profitable for the designers. And so it is created in a way to keep us hooked and addicted to it. And there's research that's shown that when you get likes and when you get followers, that it releases the same chemical in your brain that's associated with getting a high. And so the more likes, the more followers you get, you literally get addicted, like chemically addicted to that experience. And so I think that as individual people, We really have to make hard decisions about how we're going to spend our time and what kind of boundaries we're going to set for ourselves and for our children. There's been other research, you know, in recent years about the effect of watching TV and a child's ability to read when that child has access to a lot of screen time, uh, that it affects their ability to learn how to read in later years. And so the way that we have prioritized and glorified keeping ourselves entertained all the time. And it does prevent us from doing things of significance. It prevents us from thinking deeply. There's, again, more research in recent years about the fact that when you get to a point that you're trying to work through a problem or trying to think through something, that you'll hit a phase where you're going to have to think at a deeper level that's literally going to take more energy than surface level thinking. And most of us want to stop right there and then go do the thing that's easier. And so um, we want to go turn on the TV or scroll through Instagram or check emails. That thing that's Mm -hmm. easier for us and we don't have to think as hard about. So we'll literally sabotage our own processes of thinking deeply. So that's kind of my researcher hat on for a while. But we really have created a world for ourselves where we are sort of spiraling into this everything being very surface level. No Mm -hmm. depth, no planning, no forethought. And so I think as individual people, we need to step back and really say, what is the cost of this in my life and in my family's life? And we're probably not going to make an entire culture and civilization change the way they work, but we as individuals can. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. we talked about this idea of knowing yourself and identity is so important in that. For me, this comes down to daily understanding, taking time to know um, who I am. And what I mean by that is for me, I'm a follower of Christ. And so I'm spending time every day in scripture and in prayer learning about the character of God and what my identity is in him. And that gives me, um, a plumb line. It gives me a straight line to get to, um, you know, weigh decisions against. I think we live in a culture where we have, this is not where I saw this going, but I feel like we live in this culture where, um, everything is so, um, up and down, left and right. It's your truth. It's, it's very relative and ambiguous. And so to have a plumb line where you can say, um, this is what I I measure decisions against. That is such a freeing feeling that it's not in me to have to figure out what's right and wrong. But here's, you know, an external line that I can look at and say, okay, I have direction from here. This is my um, compass. This is my North Star. And I get that guidance in that direction from there. And that gives you a sense of identity. And from there, you can start making those hard decisions to say, you know what? Yes, everybody else loves to binge Netflix and they're going to watch 18 hours of Netflix this weekend. And I'm going to take my family outside and we're going to go enjoy nature. We're going to go learn a new hobby. We're going to go try something new. We're going to go spend time in the garden and be outside and enjoy watching how things grow. I have this very distinct memory being a little girl. And my mom taking me outside where there was a pumpkin plant growing. And she said, she handed me a sketchbook and a pencil and she said, draw it. And so I sat there as a little girl drawing this pumpkin plant. And I can trace my love of horticulture and of gardening and my like scary ability to identify random plants back to that exercise of learning to observe. It would have been so easy for her to give me a television at the time. Now it'd be an iPad or whatever to occupy Mm me. And sometimes I totally get, you need that, you know, you need that space as a mom and I'm not a mom, but I've seen it all around me. But for her to take that extra bit of creativity to sit me outside with my sketch pad and my pencil and say, draw this created and launched a lifelong love of the outdoors mm-hmm. and of plants and of gardening and of watching things grow and being fascinated by the way they're designed. And so I think that we can make decisions beforehand for ourselves. We mm-hmm. are going to do this. We're not going to do this. And I think in the daily hustle and bustle, knowing here's where I want to end up and here's where I want my kids or my family or whomever to end up, the people in my sphere of influence, and being able to say, we're going to make some hard decisions now about what we do in these mm-hmm. moments. And I remember once somebody saying, it's not enough to just set a goal. You also have to think through what are going to be the hindrances and the roadblocks and how are Mm -hmm. you going to overcome those? So you've already made up your mind, you know, what you were going to do when you face that hurdle. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's a tremendous habit to get into. Know your goal, know the roadblocks you're going to run into, and then make a decision in advance. Here's how we're going to handle it. So you don't have to try to figure it out on the spot in that day-to-day hustle and bustle of life.
0: 100%. Tiffany, I cannot tell you how much I have loved our conversation today, the direction that that we set out on together, where we ended up. I absolutely love the journey of this conversation. I feel so inspired to make some tough decisions about my own life and what example I am setting for my girls and the legacy that I want to leave. So thank you so much for everything that you shared today. How can we stay in touch and continue to learn from you? Oh, it's my pleasure. And I do want to say one thing.
2: I think it can be easy to beat ourselves up when we make a mistake or things aren't working the way we want. There's so much grace there. And so just know that there's always tomorrow and another chance to do it again. And so I don't want anybody to beat themselves up over that. Um, But it has been a delight to get to talk with you, Anna. It's always a delight to get to talk with you. You are just the most charming person to have conversation with. And so thank you for having me here. And if your listeners are interested in what I'm doing, they can visit my website. It's tiffanyurick.com,
0: And so you can see uh, my newest projects and the work that we're doing over there. Wonderful. I'll be sure to share all of that in the show notes so you can stay in touch with Tiffany Thank you again so much for your time today. This has been just one of the most fulfilling discussions that I have had in a while. So thank you for this. It's such a gift. It's it's my pleasure. Thank you. It's, It's a wonderful thing to get to talk about these topics that really are, I think, so important. Absolutely. All right, Tiffany, I'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. I hope your wheels are turning about your legacy and what your story will be. I hope you're feeling inspired to dive into your unique strengths and even understand your weaknesses. Maybe you're even beginning to shift your perspective about social media and our constant need for entertainment. However you're feeling after this episode, I encourage you to go leave your legacy, whatever that means for you. You can find links to the resources that Tiffany mentioned as well as links to drinks, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, and all of the ways you can stay in touch with Tiffany by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 135. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode is all about getting into a groove, being in the zone, and finding your flow. In episode 136, I'll be talking about why finding flow is the key to getting more done and feeling more accomplished along the way. All right, thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you then.